This, 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 this is mythical. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we're gonna be talking about my generation. Uh, we're gonna be talking about generations, y'all. We're gonna be talking about what generation we come from, which might be in some dispute. We're gonna be talking about the generation that most of our employees come from. We're gonna be talking about the generation that our kids are a part of, our okay, parents. Okay, boomer. And just the, we're talking about the dynamics, man. We're talking about Xenials. Well, Xennials would be, you got millennials, you got Generation X, you got Xennials, which is in between, you got Generation which Z. Which is supposedly us, Xennials. Uh, I'd say, I don't, I don't know. I can tell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's as, as. You can tell me or you can so tell I don't know. Kiko did some, um, some boop, 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 boop research uh, kind of pulled up some different perspectives that people have on like what makes, first of all, we're gonna kind of go through what the generations are just if you need a refresher on that, but we're also gonna Good. talk about what uh, what makes an exennial an exennial, and I think it's kind of remarkable once you start thinking about what makes us not really a part of Generation X and not really a part of the millennials, um, and it'll bring up some some memories, I'm sure, and some also trauma. the way that we're that we're seeing the relationships in our lives. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm, but, I'm up for that. But I want to talk about the fact that you got um, a haircut, yeah, I did. which was obviously not self-imposed. Yeah. It's this is a more drastic cut because this is a professional cut. This is yesterday. I experienced someone else cutting my hair for the first time since since COVID. Since March. Yeah. Since March. Uh, boy, it's it, it's strange when something's been out of your life so long, and then it's like, wait, oh, this is back in my life. Now it was weird, because it was, I mean, Anna who would always come in and cut my hair. Some people call her Anna Lynn. <laughs> I just call her Anna because I ain't got time for long names when when you accept the shorter version. Well, you know, one of the one of the sweetest people on the planet. She is. Um, it's super talented and very gracious, and she enjoys working with us. Even though she works on much bigger and yeah, better. She, she's like the <laughs> things. She works on American Horror Story. She's working on Dear White People. Yeah, she, she she's she's got her she's got her hands in lots of lots of places. lots of people's heads. Just got back from uh, her homeland of Guam, mm -hmm. uh, where she was hunkered down because of COVID, so she wasn't even here, but I was like trimming my own hair. But yeah, she came up, we set up a tent outside, I'm wearing a mask, she's wearing a mask, she's been thoroughly tested, I've been thoroughly tested. She said she gets Let's tested. Let's make this happen. She gets tested 
six times a week. I mean, we get tested once a week. She gets tested six times a week the because she's- a lot. Well, she's working on two different shows that require three tests a week, and so she just, I mean, you show up and they test you, so she ends up getting tested six times a week. There's only seven days in a I week. I mean, she might be the most tested person on earth. I mean, I'm sure there's- What's that doing to her nasals? Some people are being tested daily, I guess, but she's basically being tested daily. Mm. Imagine being constantly swabbed in the nose. Constantly would get old. Cause, but daily, I've gotten used to it, man. We get tested weekly and uh, we got sit, tested today. We sit down in the tent, one person at a time, just a guy in like full protective garb shoving a, basically a bottle brush up my nose. It's a cotton swab. It's not, it's a bottle brush. You're not making eye contact. Oh, I never it. look at it. It's not a It's not a pipe cleaner. Well, I'm telling you what it feels like. It is a long Q-tip. It's a pipe Q-tip. freaking cleaner. It is a long Q-tip. It is a cotton swab. Yeah, but it's got. Nothing else it, on it. It's got something abrasive it on it. It doesn't have anything abrasive I'll look at it. it next time. Okay. Are you telling me, do you like watch it go in? Uh, Yeah, when somebody's about to stick something in my nose, I look at it. I mean, who knows, it could get well, confused, it could make, get it mixed up. He could put yours in mine. I mean, I, we got a professional that's outfit not, doing that's this. That's not gonna happen. I mean, it's super professional, and there's all kinds First of, of all, like, watching it go in your nose has nothing to do with yours and mine. What? Well, I would be able to tell if it was wet. It'd be whoa, 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 you got a wet one. <laughs> hold on, hold on. This is not a freshman. <laughs> okay, you're not gonna know that. Yeah, if he's double dipping. Yeah, he he's not. Again, well, I'm not trying to cast dispersion on the person who's doing this for us. He's double dipping from my right nostril to my left. Do you have a conversation with him? Uh, I, I've just quit talking. I say, good morning. I say, good morning, here we are again. Sometimes I'll say, here we are again. I feel bad that I've and kinda, it, like, I mean, there was one week where we kinda talked, like he saw me pull up. Small talk. In my new car, and he was like, oh, let's talk about that. No, he doesn't talk, it's all business. He, I think he he he, let, he leaves it up to you. But I'm just like, he's so efficient, it happens so quickly that I'm just like, morning, how you doing? He's like, good, and then it's just like, whoop, whoop, drip, drip, and I'm like, thank you. And then I get up and go. He does the second swab so rapidly after the first insertion that I'm reacting to the first one after the second one's done. So he's got a good technique because like my head shakes. And you don't want your head to shake when you got a bottle cleaner. The first test I ever got was at my doctor, uh, like my regular doctor, and they had like a parking lot kind of thing. Yeah. Roll your window down, and stick your nose out. That guy, not my doctor, but a doctor at Went my deep. doctor's. Not only did he go deep. First of all, he I was like, now I have a deviated septum. The right nostril is pretty, pretty difficult to get in. Oh gosh. Uh, but my left nostril is susceptible to bleeding if like you can irritate it. You so told him all this. Yeah, because because he was like, okay, well I'll try on the right, and he goes into the right, and this is back in the early days of COVID. They were, the, the testing was deeper and more invasive and it's now I think they've learned that, okay, we just gotta get in there a little bit. But he shoves it in there and he hits whatever the deal is. You know, I've never broken my nose, but like a majority of the population has a deviated septum naturally. You could feel him hit something? He's hitting the septum that's deviated and he can't get through because it's, you know, it is a, not a bottle cleaner, it is a Q-tip. I think he needs to get like a hammer and start chiseling And so he's like, up, oh, can't do it, can't get in there. He pulls it out, goes in the left side, and I swear he hit my brain. It was, oh, I don't, yeah, I yeah. Mean, it was First so one. far back, it went all the way through and was in the back of my throat, and then he said, okay, now that I'm in there, I have to turn it slowly for seven seconds. Yeah, that, that, I had seven one of those. Seven seconds. They don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. Now. So when dude out here 
hits, does he hit your septum? I don't think so. He doesn't go deep enough to hit the septum. That's what I'm saying, I don't think they do that anymore. I don't think they ha- they go as deep anymore. I wonder if he's deviated it's, from it's the- It's uncomfortable. Procedure enough to not hit the deviated septum. Well, I had a, uh, I had an ENT one time when I was dealing with like my onset of allergies a couple years ago and I was like, I don't know what's going on with my throat. Like the first time we went on tour and I was having all those throat issues and it was allergies and I hadn't diagnosed myself yet. <laughs> um, the, he was like, okay, let me look at your throat and he did the thing that you got done at the plastic surgeon when we made the commercial in New, Newport Beach. A scope. So he went into my right nostril, the deviated one, and I guess because the flexible, the camera's flexible, it went around the deviation and he got back there. Okay. And examined things. Everything was fine, don't worry. It's just, it, it is the disconcerting feeling. But a year later I went to a different ENT he as could. like a, a follow up, but a follow up with a different doctor. Okay. He couldn't get in. He could not get through the deviation. I think some people have the courage to just do the extra, just, <laughs> just like just really get Ooh, it in we're there. We're losing people. And some people we're don't. We're losing people. And some people don't. Including me. But the uh, the haircut. Yeah, let's talk about that. It was that. nice, but you know, it's th- a good my haircut. hair had gotten so bushy that all I was, I was just doing like maintenance on the on the bush and the bush on the sides was getting pretty bushy Real, everywhere it was like it was getting really big but like i just don't like doing a drastic cut myself because you know on the back i'm just it's all guesswork yeah now she she's a pro she did a great job but it is it's not just a trim it's a little bit more and i you know I just have flashbacks to like when I was a kid and whenever you'd go in and get a get a haircut as a kid, it would be so drastic and be like, oh gosh, I have to go to school the next day. It mm-hmm. looks so different. Mm-hmm. I hate it when people are like, did you get a haircut? It's like, well, you either know I did or you didn't. Don't ask me if I got a haircut. Just like say, hey, you know. Nice haircut? Nice haircut. It's, I mean, if you. I think sometimes people are legitimately curious though. Are you, you, a are you styling it differently or is it just cut? It it's still longer than it ever used to be, but it now feels so much shorter. And I'm I'm in this transition well, period where I'm trying to get used to well, it. Well, what you've done, I'm not, my my assessment of it is that it is the same length on top that you used to reset at, but it's a longer length on the side than you used to reset. Yeah, so I was like, I don't point, want it to be too short on the sides. I want it to be a little longer. On well, the sides. but you have slowly gone away. I mean, there I don't know when it was, but. It's one of those things that like you watch old episodes or we see ourselves in like montages. It and was I'm like, so Whoa. tight. There was so a point tight where you went like full, I don't even know what you would call it. You but could see skin on the sides. Yeah, it was. And I don't it, like it. It was getting a, almost, I mean, it's almost like I'm a, a Nazi cut. I mean, honestly. What? It's, no, I'm just like. No, what? I, no, did, no. Yeah, I don't look back <laughs> at montages and say, Damn, I look like a Nazi. No, what? what? No, but I'm saying like the the, the dudes and the, the the dudes on and the the Nazi I mean, dudes, they have a haircut where they do it really really short on the sides. It never got to that point. I mean, I'm saying you were approaching that. If you had actually gotten there, I would I would I would have said, hey man, look, there's a bunch of racists on the internet that look like this. But you never got there. But I'm saying you got close. But people know that's not who you are, so I mean, I didn't have to say anything. <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. But now, I mean, especially with your hair being so long and shaggy, like I've got a, I'm, t- I'm kind of taking that into account because, I mean, you don't want to be too buttoned know, up. The kids saying, you know, it's the businessman and the boy on that old React video. They called you the businessman, called me the boy. 
Now I don't want it to be like the caveman and the and the businessman. But I don't think you can do anything. Caveman uh, and the boy. I, I think that what I have going on is so uh, far removed from what anything that we would have considered normal. But it makes it, it anything that like this fresh cut makes me seem clean cut, which no, in normal situation, I would just seem like I still, you know, I don't have like a really clean cut haircut. Like if I had the haircut that you're talking about before, that would be a too big of a, a contrast. I don't know. Maybe the two maybe it would be what we need. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should go full newscaster. Like, what if you get as I'm not going newscaster? No. What if you went as tight? Like, what if it was like hairsprayed and it was a little bit lower and it kind of swooped? Down? It, what if it was like you could see the part? What if you just went? Full, like this is so locked in. That would be an interesting, interesting sort of contrast. You might want to do that one. Day. I don't want to do that. Yeah, you might do it before you die. I might do it before you die. <laughs> you can do it before you die. Oh. Before I die, yeah, I want you to clean up. Well, one thing I didn't ask Anna that I was gonna ask her, and I was kind of just gonna see if she was gonna say something about it because when I saw her yesterday when she came in to cut your hair, uh. You know, I had my hair tied up. And of course, me not cutting my hair for over a year, the person who has cut my hair, if my hair is going to be cut, is gonna like say something. She was like, your hair, wow. And so, because I know how she thinks about hair, I know that if I had made the decision to grow my hair out and, and COVID had not have happened, and she had continued to, to be around, she would have said, now, when you grow your hair out, you still need me to cut your hair as you grow it out because like for the sake of the health of the hair and for like thickness and all this stuff. So you, yeah, I get it. So you thought she was gonna say I thought she might say, you know, you, I can, you could still you use could a trim. You could use some thinning or whatever it was. Or like a trim. A trim or like I noticed the other day. That get like, rid of the burnt ends. Like I don't know if you can see this, but like I don't think that this is really supposed to happen because I just, all my hair was, like it was, and then I just started growing it and no attention to anything, right? And so like, if you see this, it's like I don't think that- It's like the mullet area. There's a mullet area that's way longer just because the hair's lower on my head yeah. than this hair. But I think that she would be like, let's get that all the same length. No, no. But she didn't say anything, so I didn't say anything. And you, But if she did, what would you have said? I would have been like, I'm cool, I'm good. Yeah, because that goes, it. You, you, you can't do anything to seem like there's no corrective You're, measures that can be made to the hair. You can't do anything to try to make it seem prettified. Right. Because trust me, when you put it in that, oh, you know what, I, I, I'm staying out of this. That's actually what I decided. You're trying to draw me in to give an opinion and I'm not doing it. Oh, I don't want an opinion. I know you're not, but you are, but you're, but you're tempting me. And I'm not, I'm not, that's the thing I've committed to doing is I'm not going to talk about your Here's hair. Here's the only opinion that I'm interested in from you as it relates to my hair is when you think that, like do you think that there would be, there come, there come a moment in the next months or years in which you would be like, hey, um, I think you should cut your hair. Like so, for instance, if I went full Or has Rapunzel, there been a point? Has there, <laughs> has there already been a point? <laughs> um, so, but like, cause it could, I mean, I don't know, you know, everybody's got a terminal length. Do I go to terminal length? I mean, that could be years away. I don't know. 
I mean, I, I somebody messaged me on Twitter, or not messaged me, but just added me on Twitter and said, uh, she was like, I'm sorry to say my mom has stopped watching Good Mythical Morning because of your hair. <laughs> really? She was like, she even met you when you came to so-and-so town and like showed me the picture, like put the picture of us with them, like a mother and a daughter. She's like, my mom will not watch the show because of your hair. So the only reason she was watching <laughs> the show was because of your previous hair. I guess. Or whatever's happening with your hair is not enough to keep her around. But maybe now that you got a professional cut, she'll come back. Maybe that's enough for her to overlook whatever she doesn't like about my yeah, situation. Yeah, pulling your weight. <laughs> so you're saying that you're not gonna tell me when you think I should cut my hair and that you would have already told me if, if opinions were open? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're tempting me, man. Uh, I haven't told you what I've thought about your hair or what you've done to it because <laughs> that was the decision I made. <laughs> I'm just staying out of it. Oh, you made a decision. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stay out of it. He's got his reasons. You know, who am I? I it, nothing. Okay, nothing has compelled me to say, listen, I gotta intervene. Oh, okay, well, there's still time for that. But yeah, I'm, I reserve the right to intervene for the good of uh, the brand. But I just feel like- But it, I'm not happy with getting a haircut myself. It's like I didn't know what to do with it, but like I, I hate getting a haircut. That's why whenever on, Anna you... used to come, she would like it would just be like this maintenance, a little bit of trim, and this is a this is a. I don't like I don't like that type of change. Are you saying that it was on the table for you to do something new and different? No, just not to cut as much. But but you didn't cut as much. I feel like I still cut too much. Hmm. On the I don't like what's happening on the sides. What do you want to happen on the sides? More? A little more, yeah. Well, just let it a go. A little shaggy. Let yeah, it it's, it's, it's headed in the right direction. I mean, it's longer than it has been. Yeah, but not as long as it was yesterday. <sighs> you know, we could continue to talk about this, you know, for the entire uh, hour, but we're not gonna do that. Earbiscus is supported by DoorDash. I'm keeping less alcoholic beverages in my house um, lately. I'm kind of on that swing of the pendulum. Okay. But I will say, there's times when when you wanna crack open an adult beverage. Yes, it happens. Sometimes amongst friends, sometimes alone. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I, wanna get into the details. I recommend with friends. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, here's to alcohol deliveries with DoorDash. Whether you're hosting, sending a congratulatory gift, or just staying in to chill with a cold one, DoorDash is an easy call. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. They have it all, beer, wine, mixers, and for those that don't drink, mocktails and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code EAR. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening, any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna dig into the generations here. So again, let's just go through what the generations are. There was a comment are. from a mythical beast that got us thinking about this. I don't think we have that anymore, sorry. Was there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there must we'll, have been a we'll, comment. We'll credit it on, on the video right down here. The video version's gonna, gonna shout that person out. Sorry, so we don't have it in front of us. Quick breakdown of the generations, 
just for refreshing, or maybe this is introducing it to you for the first time, according to the Pew Research Center. But there's Pew. a whole there's pew, a pew, pew. there's a whole research center. They're constantly beeping. That's what they do. Yeah, they sell it to marketers who sell it to brands. I got to tell you that I did not know that the generation before boomers, which my parents are technically a part of, busters, is the silent era. Oh, that sounds sad. Born 1928 to 1945, so they're 75 to 92. So my parents are just in that generation on the younger side. Okay. Uh, I don't have any information about them, but well, they're yeah. silent, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah, they wouldn't give it to you if you right. ask. They, yeah. Next one's boomers. Boomers, we know the boomers, that's 1946 to 64. So, so tell me how old they are now. That's Between 56 and 74. Okay. So your mom is a boomer. She's not, she's not as old as my parents. Mm -mm. Uh, your dad is a boomer. Your parents are boomers. Yeah. I always thought my, I would have just called my parents boomers, but they're actually just outside of it. Um, here's a couple of facts about them, you know, they grew up as television expanded dramatically, changing their lifestyles and connection to the world in fundamental ways. Oh. Um, they live to work, their self-worth is their worth ethic, loyal to their employer, competitive, goal-centric, process-oriented, focused, disciplined, need to know they are valued, wanna make a difference. Hopefully retired at this point. Yeah, that's, so how, not really, that's how they thought. Not really having to work, hopefully. Uh, and they, you know, the population boomed after what, World War II? Uh, yep. That's where, that's where the boom comes from. Mm -hmm. It's a population boom. And it was the largest. Uh, Come back from war, you're completely traumatized. You don't know what to do with yourself, so you make babies. And you hope that makes it better. But um, Until a year ago, this was the largest generation. Most people in America were boomers. Than oh. Any other generation. So until second boomers. 2019. Uh, and I'll tell you who that was that replaced them. Of course, Generation X, which we are technically a part of. This is people born between 65 and 1980, so they're between 40 and 55. Okay. You know, I'm not gonna so get- I'm a front-sided generation. I don't, I don't wanna X. get into the details of the generations until we come back and start explaining. I think it's gonna be a better conversation if, that's Generation X. Okay. And then you got millennials. When I think about Generation X, I think about alternative rock. You know, I think about like Eddie Vedder. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Nirvana. Yeah, I, it's just, I mean, I, when I actually, when I think about Generation X, I picture Eddie Vedder with a flannel shirt on. Okay, cargo shorts, yeah. backwards hat. Yeah, okay. and, I, and I've always felt a little disconnected from that. Like that's not me, which is interesting as we'll get into. Mm. Um, millennials, born between 81 and 96, so they're between 24 and 39. Um. And okay. we're just on the outside of that. And I definitely have, the interesting thing is, I've never considered my, when I think of a millennial, yeah. I don't think of myself. No. I think of many who work for us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay, and then you got our children, Generation Z, born between 97 and 2012. So all of our kids are in Generation Z, all five of them. Your three, my two. Gen Z. They're between eight and 23. Um, and then you got the uh, what we're calling, or what is being called, Generation Alpha, you know. Oh, the next one? The next one's out? Basically early 2010s and onward, 
You don't have to start talking about them yet though. You don't have to really talk about them yet. They haven't become fully fledged people yet. Um, so. Yeah. And then, okay, and now Generation you've got. Generation Alpha. You've got the uh, generational cuspers, the generation cuspers. This is people who are born in the cracks between the generations. Again, this is all just observational stuff based on Right, there's, not a, there's not a hard there's no math switch between, or so no, if you're on the cusp. There's no real science in this. Okay. But I think that there's something really interesting about uh, the difference between the Xers and the millennials and why we could be considered what they call an exennial, which is between 77 and 83. I'm born in 77, you're born in 78. Exennial. My wife's born in 80, your wife's in 78, so like we're all, right in that group. So it's a subset of Gen X, or does it cross over? Well, Xennial means some X, some oh, millennial. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's what's the crossover again? 77 to 83. Okay. So 80 would be the cutoff point. Okay, okay. So it's, it's around 80. Now, all right, let's talk about this. I'm gonna come over here to the, the, to the Xennial breakdown. Because I think for us, I mean, we act, we, we've interacted with culture because of our jobs and our our relationship with YouTube and entertainment, you know, we've kind of we've aged ourselves down. Like we've done a lot of work from the from the beginning of um, when I say entertainment, like I mean streaming video, YouTube, and and all those other platforms that were competing with YouTube. We were committed to to being a to being an active part of that uh, development, that revolution. And I think that's a big factor for I, us. I, I, th I think you're over-personalizing it because I, I think that uh, while that's true of us and, and our jobs and the thing that we decided to do, we got a job in social media actually, but, but I think that the reason that this is gonna be applicable to people who are plumbers, they don't have to be YouTubers, is because the way that social media and technology has impacted everyone's life, and so that, that that's and that's the thing that's the interesting thing to explore here. Yeah, but I think about if you're if you're forty five. Let's see, what's the oldest you can be and be considered forty five? Forty three, seventy seven. Okay, forty three. Like a normal a forty three year old plumber is just. I just don't think that they don't they don't. Use YouTube the? I think that many of them do. I disagree. Well, Facebook and Instagram. But well, but let's talk about the let's talk about the cutoff. The thing that makes makes the cutoff so interesting and makes it makes me personally not feel at home in either place, right? So, and kind of like I said, Kiko gathered all this information, and I kind of uh, synthesize it down into this. I'm just kind of taking a couple of points and dropping them into one. And that basically what defines an exennial is your adolescence was social media and largely mobile phone free, but the onset of your adulthood coincided with social media and widespread mobile phone usage, right? So mm -hmm. uh, as you were becoming an adult, as you were becoming independent. That's when you first start texting. You were getting, like I got engaged and got a mobile phone for me and my wife all in the same week. Ooh. So we're getting married, now we have to have mobile phones. 
Um, and can it have that push to talk technology? I never did the like Nextel I, thing. Can I have the big Nextel? Never did it. Yellow and black and bloop, bloop. So That's what I had. But the other thing that was happening is at the same time that we were experiencing a new level of connectivity, both through our phones and through the internet and the way that the internet was rapidly becoming just a part, like again, when did you get your first email address? When you showed up at NC State, right? Just yep. like I did, mm -hmm. rjmclaug at eos.ncsu.edu. Mm -hmm. Don't send an email to it because you'll probably get it returned to you. Ear Biscuits is supported by the Farmer's Dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash ear. So we were connected to the internet. Now some kids, the rich kids, had a computer at home. We didn't get yeah, that. Yeah, like Trent. Trent had a computer had at a home. Had a computer in high school. So he's like chatting in high school. We did, parents didn't do that. Talking shit in chat rooms. I did go into his room and get in the chat rooms and talk shit to people. I don't know why, my first inclination was to troll when I went into well, a chat room. Well that's because that's what he did. So that's what he showed you you could do. Right, that's, I thought that was the, the limit of the possibilities. It was, it was fun for him. So you got yeah, this connectivity. He also had a bathroom in his room. In his room. Yes. Well, not in it. You know, he had his own bathroom connected to it. He had a freaking master bedroom. His room bath. was so big. His room was so big. His, br I think his room could have. He had like, a couch in his my be room bedroom and your room. I don't know whose room was smaller, but both of them were very. <laughs> your tiny. room was smaller because. And you all, you had a bathroom. It was the guest bathroom. Whoa, 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 whoa! I had a Jack and Jill. That then, if you if well, you, you have a Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill goes to another bedroom. You had you could you had a guest bathroom that I had could a be Jack entered and exit. In, yeah, it could be entered well, from I guess the hallway. That is how I used it in <laughs> high school. <laughs> um, no, it was I would enter I would enter from my bedroom, and then there would be another door, and I'd enter I'd exit out that door, and it would I could go out another door into the carport. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we were going. You didn't with even that. have a carport, my friend. No, I mean, first of all, you had a brick house yeah. that had a carport and you had your own bedroom, I mean bathroom. I had to share a bathroom with my brother. My room was super tiny. In fact, it was actually, it had a slant in it that I couldn't even stand up in half of it. <laughs> yeah, I said your room was smaller. <laughs> and we didn't have a garage or a carport and we had vinyl siding. Vinyl siding is, the, is you took a lot of pride in but that. We Don't lived, try to act like you But know. we had a second story and we lived closer to the country club. Yeah, you and did. And so it felt richer. You had steps. It felt like, I mean, we could, like I can see the country club, so we feel rich. You had a deck. The, uh, I didn't have a deck. I had a. You had I a had courtyard a, almost. I had a, I had a concrete patio, I had a slab. Oh yeah, yeah, I was thinking about your other house where you had the nice courtyard. Yeah, but I'm talking post-divorce. You had a big deck, but you never, 
Spent time on spent it? time on it. What are you talking about? I spent all kinds of time on that no, deck. No, you didn't. When I would go out on that deck, it would be covered in like tree refuse. Well, they didn't like do a great job of cleaning it up. But I went out there twigs. a lot. My dad grilled out there. It was dilapidated, man. I you didn't you're know what you were remembering it late in the late in the cycle. You know how when a deck a tree fell on it one time and they left it that way for much too long. <laughs> well, that should tell you something. Yeah, see, it's it was neglected. <laughs> but see, that's why we're exennials, man, because our parents let trees fall on the deck and just left it. Here's the thing: not only did this sense of connectivity happen as you were becoming an adult, which we'll ex- we'll explore what that mm-hmm. feels like and what that means, but also. The feeling that we were no longer safe happened when we were adults. 9-11, for most Americans, represents the moment in which you were like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Like, I grew up thinking that the chances of something outside of our country affecting us was literally foreign, right? It was like, this can't happen. What are you you talking about? Like, we're totally safe and protected. 9-11 happened. It changed security around the world, but for for Americans, there was lots of places in the world. They were already like, "Yeah, welcome to the party, guys. It's not safe." But for us, it was like, "Hold on, I'm think I just got married. I got married in June of t- 2001. 9/11 happened September of that year. You know, so you're thinking of you, you moved into this part of your life where you're thinking about starting a family and bringing children into a world that no longer feels." safe and secure. And so I think that those two things are what makes exennials feel like they don't connect. Because millennials, of course it's not safe. They knew that from the beginning. 9-11 happened when they were kids. They've grown up in the midst of a never-ending war. Uh, so violence is just an accepted part of the way the world works, but also that violence and exposure to it is enhanced because of the connectivity that they had as kids. They got mm-hmm. cell phones as kids. They're on the internet. They're fluent in internet connectivity from the very beginning. They have friends. So they see it all happen in other countries, right? Because of and we video may have games. had a pen pal, like through school, but they didn't do that at Bowie's Creek Elementary. And it does make me think, you know, with is there a pre and post COVID thing that's going to happen with the? Uh, Alphas? Well, with our, what are Ch- our kids children? Called? Z's. Yeah, Generation Z. Yeah, I'm sure. That's impacting them in, in some way, yeah, because, hate to break it to you, but COVID-19 is just the beginning yeah. of global pandemics happening on a regular basis. But, uh, yeah, so and that, there's just, and unfortunately there's just, I was gonna get into the climate change of it all, but it's just not acute enough for for to to speak of it that way. Yeah, it is for it is for some people in some places, right? Depending on the connections that you yeah. make. But for yeah, but for COVID, I mean, like I think about Lando, the youngest of both of our kids. You know, looking at as as an eleven year old. You know, it's like he's he's gonna process things as. I, I know what it was like for things to be taken away. I know what it was like for my school to be taken away, for my friends to be taken away. Uh, you know, he he, and he's he's rolled with it. Um, but it's absolutely going to stick with him. Oh yeah, and it's and for and that it, to happen because when you know as things, you, when you're a kid, yeah, things it's just like impact oh, you in a t- completely every it, it's like 
Yeah, it's like for for kids in 9-11, it's like, oh, this 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 the world is a dangerous place. And it's 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 a replay of that. But it still felt um and it I think, did feel dis nine eleven still felt distant though, as somebody who was in, you know, rural North Carolina, yeah. it was like, well, this ain't gonna happen in Fuquay. But well, when, it, you know, but it felt I was cl- working at IBM at the time, and they were talking because at the Research Triangle Park, there was so much technology focus there, in kind of a Silicon Valley kind of way, that there was there were active discussions about not going to work because it could be a terrorist target, you know. So we were talking about not going to the office because for that reason, and and it and it really changes your thinking. But as a kid, it, you know, I think it it changes a lot. I also think with the COVID of it all for for our kids also translates more directly into uh, politics. Of course, with um, with Generation X, it was a you know with the experience of nine eleven, there was a you know everything was much more partisan as a result of that. There was an there was an understanding of politics through the lens of nine eleven, and now I think for our kids, there's an understanding of politics through the lens of uh, COVID because it's so partisan, right? Versus, you know, when we were growing up, politics was just like we would have mock elections, and it would be cool to like pretend we were voting for president, but we didn't we didn't feel the impact of. Who are who are govern a decision the governor made have any direct impact on you as a person? In the combination of those things, like the combination of feeling less safe, and then the awareness of the, what contributes to feel, feeling less safe because of the access to information. I mean, we talked about I talked about it in my uh, you know deconstruction story that the biggest thing that impacted me, and this is impacting lots of people who come from sort of any kind of ideology, any sort of religious ideology, political ideology, uh, that you were you raised in a certain set of principles that may or may not necessarily reflect the truth, but they are the truth capital T to you and your community. And for most of human history, you've been able to uh, maintain an adherence to that capital T truth for your entire life without it being challenged or examined. So so you point to the internet. Unless, unless you go to yeah. get, get a graduate degree in a particular thing, but yeah. But co- college was, was really that place where it's like, well. And I'm talking less about college and I'm saying that now you get access to that level of information just by going on the internet. I mean, we've got a friend who did not go to college who I consider my most educated friend <laughs> uh, because that information is available online at this point and you gotta be good at navigating that. But like, I think that that sort of was the beginning of my personal deconstruction. Um, but I think that that is what, you know, <clears throat> I was kind of, I was doing some reading as, as also as like a lot of people see millennials and I have been guilty of this as on my own. Uh, millennials as entitled, right? You see, they seem entitled, and they seem like they don't want to. They expect too much, and they don't want to work as hard. And I and I don't necessarily think that that's true, but I think they have that reputation. And I have found myself falling into believing those stereotypes. 
But I was do I was reading um, this article in Inc. Magazine and basically this person was explaining this from this perspective. The connected world has empowered millennials to take ownership, to take ownership. Glassdoor and LinkedIn allow ownership of one's career. YouTube allows ownership of one's content. Instagram and Snapchat allow ownership of one's personal brand. Netflix allows ownership of one's content consumption. You could go on and on. Spotify, and you know, you got your own music, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The internet has offered millennials personalization and customization at every turn of their lives, and now they expect the same control at work and in their careers. So if you, if it, because again, if you go back to Generation X, it was like they didn't, they grew up where you got, they had three channels, you watched the movie that your parents decided to rent, you may or may not have had any say in it, depending on the structure of your family. I remember getting 34 channels, but still. You had cable. That yeah, yeah, brick house, cable, yeah. bathroom. Yeah, you didn't have cable? No, my parents got cable when I went to college. I remember coming home after my freshman year and they had gotten cable. I was like, what is this? And then I was flipping through the channels and I got to a channel you that was what, scrambled. You know what, Rhett, you had a brother. Let me explain this. Okay. I went okay. back home. I had cable, I had Nickelodeon. And there was a scrambled channel and there was a pair of boobies in the corner. Boob in the corner? And it was scrambled, but I could hear the sounds of a woman. Okay. Period, that's it. I'm not gonna say what she was doing, but you can imagine. And uh, I was like, well, what is this? How do I unscramble? Who do I call to unscramble this? This was when you came home from college. Yeah. (laughs) And then I figured out that if you watch this particular channel at a certain time, (laughs) they would put on a movie that was you know, not family friendly, and then they would scramble it. And sometimes the guy who was making the scramble decision would be like two minutes late, and you'd get like two minutes of unscrambled boobies if they were at the beginning of the movie. And they were pretty immediate with the particular movies that I was watching as a college freshman. I, I think that was it. It was shortly after going off to college, they got cable and they got the scramble booby channel. And uh, yeah, you talk about the level of access now. It's like, yeah, think about how easy it is to see boobies if you wanna see them now, right? It's just a, it's a completely, it is so different, right? And so um, I think, that, and I, I get in, I've gotten into discussions, my dad is now reti- is retired, right? He was a law professor for many years, he retired this year. And I really enjoyed going home and talking to him about the students. Now he was, uh, he had a reputation for being a very difficult but very good professor, uh, students, most students really liked him, but if you were not on top of it, you might hate him because he was a difficult professor. Mm-hmm. But he always, you know, from the very first time I ever talked to him about the exams that he would be grading over Christmas or around the holidays, he was always complaining about, it didn't matter what year it was, it was always like, ah, they just don't understand, you know? And, and every year it felt, it felt like, they just, they really don't understand. He was getting, he was becoming an old man yeah. and his, his, his classes were staying the same age and he was seeing the generations through, through X through, and, and through Xennials, through Xennials and through Millennials. And um, you know, we had some interesting conversations because I was like, yeah, you, know, you might get frustrated that, they, that your students are, don't seem as committed to understanding this particular thing in this way or they don't seem as 
uh, capable of this, but have you thought about how they can actually see things in this way because they're more connected thinkers or whatever? The generations just change. So, but but I find myself sometimes thinking like, yeah, they are they are they are entitled. They just think that they they should get whatever they want. But you got to understand, you gotta gotta pay your dues. You gotta you gotta work for what you get. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an interesting theory as to like you live in a world of customization where it's just like my phone. If you pull up my phone, it represents my tastes in everything. Like my digital world is curated. My well, apps are curated according to my tastes. And that's a fascinating way to think about now. That How does that not transfer over into the way that you see the world? Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Pets so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Ironically, and we've, you know, we, we talked about this recently, technology enables a level of connection, but then it, it also, it's, in, it's increasingly incentivized to set up a customized experience just for you that creates insulation and isolation. Mm -hmm. So it's, and that's happening more and more algorithmically, right? We talked about the Social Dilemma documentary. We don't have to go back there. But it's, the early internet was, it was just more of volitional connection. Now it's volitional isolation. Because that's the internet that we experienced. And now we're like, I mean you set, and then you realize, oh, you, the ways you've been hoodwinked. Well, and I think it's, I don't, I, I'm just thinking out loud at this point. Becoming an adult before you had those opportunities for customization and isolation through your connectivity. Because I'm not saying that, you know, I think that, I think that Xennials and even Generation Xers and even boomers for that matter might be more susceptible to um, addiction to to their phones. I mean, I know our, I know everyone's kind of addicted to their phones, but I don't necessarily know because I feel like for the older you are, the more it kind of snuck up on you, right? If you're a Generation Xer, it's not that you're not completely consumed by your phone. Uh, it just means you can remember a time that you weren't. But does that mean that you're less susceptible to it? Like, are our kids gonna have better tools to manage That's and to I, deal with? I mean, I was, I was saying that every every 43-year-old plumber in America is not- Has an iPhone. Is not, yeah, but they're not addicted, they're not all equally addicted to Facebook well, that's or why, Instagram. But that's why it's a cusp. That's a, it, there, there, there's a gradient, and, you're on, and at 43, you're on the, you're technically into Generation X, and so you may not be, but I'm just saying that a, a very high percentage of 43-year-old plumbers are 
have a curated digital experience just like anybody else. Yeah, and I'm thinking about if you, like the technology has such an impact on our on, on, on who we are as people. You know, it, it defines, it has defined these generations in a lot of ways. You know, I think about, even if you look at something like our parents trying to trying to teach our parents about using a phone or even even like using computers. They didn't have computers in the house. There was this distrust of it. Like I'm not going to put my banking information on there. I'm actually not even going to click on this thing because what if it's messed up? It's like and it was like, well, anything you click on, you can undo. It's like they didn't even understand that. So there was like this um, uh, suspicion associated with it. But then with our generation. Uh, we were the we were the ones who had to make the decision to start trusting to and to give more of ourselves over to the internet. And now the the generation after us re, the the problems and the benefits of once you do give yourself over to it completely, what what can happen? And then there starts to be. I think there's now another wave of hopefully pulling back and saying, okay. I'm not, maybe I'm not gonna accept all these cookies and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna know how these ads are working and it's, it's, this is, I'm, I'm gonna get beyond the magic of this in order to know what proper boundaries are for myself. In terms of, the, there's a level of skepticism that I think is coming back in now. But I don't think that, I mean, is that skepticism coming from the generate the millennials or the or the disease themselves. I, I I don't I don't think so. I think like if you watch the social um, dilemma, most of this pushback and sort of gut check that's happening around social media is it's happening. From us. It's happening from the millennials and the exennials and the generation Xers who develop the platforms. Yeah, uh, and are seeing what's happening to their children and getting very worried about their own children and just getting w- mm-hmm. worried about the state of the state of the world. But yeah, I, I can't remember where I saw this, but somebody was talking about how there's this sort of trope that these Generation Zers are so tech savvy. And then this was like a, a millennial who was saying this and they were like, actually they're not. Being able to make a TikTok video and operate an app on your phone is not tech savvy, it's app savvy. Tech savvy is knowing about the underlying features of the thing that you're interacting with, knowing how to write code, that kind of thing. And obviously that's happening across all generations, but there was this little bit of like, guys, they're not actually that tech savvy. You know, they actually don't care about specifications and technology as much as people who are a little bit older than them. Mm -hmm. They are just basically, their apps and their phone is an extension of themselves. Think about the way that you interact with your kids. like. If there's a computer issue at home, who addresses the computer issue? You or your kids? Who is the most equipped to deal with something happening with a computer at home? Lincoln started building his own computers and that's and then he he broke his computer. Like he fried his motherboard. And I was in the room when he did it. That was quite a learning experience when it's like the sound that he made when he realized that his he had touched his motherboard and and fried it. Did it smoke? Uh, it didn't smoke. No, it just ceased to work entirely. Um, when was this? And he was like a month ago. Oh. 
And he was, and he's like, looks at me. And I'm just like, I'm just in here to pet the dog, dude. I got nothing. So he's building a PC. Yeah, like a gaming PC. But he had to figure that out on his own, yeah. I was like, I, but I had to, I still had to teach him a little bit. Like you have to Google what just happened. I, I think I just fried my motherboard, Google that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Locke almost got into the computer building phase. I don't know if I encouraged it or discouraged it. I don't remember, but he thought he was gonna do that. I was like, okay, good. Well, just let me know when you want to do it. And then it never came to fruition. But he's, I did. he's it, Lincoln's saving all his money for like the next component now. That's, that's what he's into. Okay, well. And I thought that was a good thing. Because, yeah, for sure. Because that is, because I can't help him and he's so into it that it's like he's gotta figure it out himself. It's ironic because I worked for a company that built computers. When I worked for IBM, and we would refurbish every type of computer that they made. Some that, I mean, they would refurbish Dell computers and then resell them to like businesses. Strange. Laptops, servers, desktops, everything, even like peripherals. Because peripherals. Did you learn anything? Is that what you're getting at? I like all the tests and stuff. Like, you know, I just designed like the conveyor belts and stuff. I didn't understand. Like, computers were still so new to me. I'd only, I only I didn't understand how like what is I didn't understand how to like there's they gotta zap the RAM and then they've got to yeah, clean gotta the hard drive. I like what I, I had no clue what this stuff was. Well, I guess what I'm saying is if if you have an interaction with your parents and I have an interaction with my parents about a computer, there is clearly someone who is the expert and someone who is not. Yeah. But when it comes to our kids, it that I just don't think it transfers. It, it, it's it's not as clean cut. It's not like no, oh it's not. they're younger, so therefore they I thought know that's what more. you were getting at, but you're not yeah. You, I'm saying that it's not that's not we, the case. That's one of the things We're still burdened with uh uh IT issues, like you and I in our homes is what you're yes. saying. Whereas my dad'll call me and I literally talk to him for thirty minutes about you know what it's like? uh him his cable internet. I talked to my, when I, when I was 16, 17, 18, I got my first, my first truck. It's like, I didn't know how to fix anything in it, but it seemed that like my dad and my granddad knew how to fix everything with the car. And so if something went wrong with the car, I'd be like, well, you're supposed to take it to a shop and they're supposed to fix it or you just get it. I mean, we get a new one if it's, if it's too messed up. That's how our kids are with computers and phones. So my phone doesn't work anymore. It's like, well, have you, have you wiped, have you reset the computer? Have you restarted it? Have you wiped your phone clean? How much, you know, have, things that we know how to do because we came up having to figure out yeah. all of that stuff ourselves. J just last week. They just want to throw it away and get a new one. A lot came to me. But our parents, my, our parents could fix cars. Fix yeah. They could fix cars in the same way. Well. So Locke did the same thing. We go, comes to me, my, my phone screen is just blinking. It won't turn on. And, and of course, he ended up getting a replacement because we've got insurance on it, but like the diagno uh, diagnosing of that issue and getting on the phone with tech support, is that daddy's job, right? Again, I think that that's a generational thing that my parents would have made me figure it out probably, and I probably should have also done the same thing, but I digress. Um, I think that another thing that I saw in- Like we had to learn how to change the oil. You change the oil in your car yourself, right? A couple At of times. At least a couple of times. Yeah, but the, like but, I changed but the point the you're getting truck. at is there, there's a- there, All the time. There's an observation that somebody made, which is one of the things that has, and I don't know exactly the cutoff for this, but for the majority of human history, 
your parents, the generation before you was wiser about everything that you could be wise about, everything. You know what I'm saying? Like you were basically an apprentice to the next generation mm -hmm. because technology was introduced so slowly that there may, there was certain exceptions, but it, was, it wasn't moving like it is right now. There were not these seismic shifts mm -hmm. in, in, in technology and the way that people live. And so yeah, as an, a younger an, an person, app is an older invented. person had all the knowledge that you could ever hope to get was contained in a person who was older than you. Now you get an app and then all of a sudden this app becomes kind of the center of your life and Well, the source of the knowledge yeah, is not just a as person. An example. The source of the source of knowledge is not people. The source of knowledge is the internet. It's something that you can access. And so that's why again, I mean, I feel this way about like the way that I interact with my doctor. I respect my doctor and I think my doctor is schooled and intelligent and I'm not one of those people that goes in and thinks that I know more about medical things period than you. But there are times and I'm a hypochondriac so if there's a specific thing that I'm experiencing, I have this temptation to believe, right or wrong, that I might know more, are you okay? Do I need to diagnose you? Do I need to take you to my doctor? <laughs> I'm sorry. I did. I just <laughs> it looked like you threw water into your mouth and forgot to swallow. Like that's that was my experience of what happened. It was like this. And I'm it, sorry. I was I coughed and then water came out my nose. Oh, I'm glad I don't have a deviated septum. <clears throat> well, actually, it could protect you in that case. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wipe my face. As I was trying to say, did I did I, did I break your concentration? Um, oh, I t I tend to think that I can know more about a specific thing than my doctor because I'm like well, I don't know I don't know if he's done this particular research that I just did, right? And that yeah. and that's a and I could be wrong about that, of course, and I'm sure it's annoying at times, but that's why your kids can seem more knowledgeable and smarter than you, and the point that uh, this same article is making is that it creates this interesting uh, sort of contradiction because as a millennial or as a Generation Z, -er, you can have access to this knowledge, but what you don't have is you don't have the lived experience that somebody older than you has, but you have the knowledge that they don't about a particular thing. That creates this weird dynamic, especially between employers and employees, because you're like, okay, as an employer, technically have authority over you, right? Within to a certain degree. Like I can say that you get fired or I can say you get hired, I can change your job description or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you're coming from the perspective of uh, in your particular, I mean this is the case with us, it's like by design, most of the people who work for us know more about the thing that they're doing for us than we do, right? By design uh, and, and yeah. Um, but but we're older, we've been doing this for longer and we're technically their boss, right? So it just creates this, and I don't think it's that big of a deal because I, in, in, in our company, because I think we sort of just, and this is where I think what you were talking about earlier comes into play with us being in this particular business that we sort of move in the world and function day to day within our company as if we're also millennials, right? Right. We don't. Yeah. We don't come. We don't walk around like Generation Xers, whatever that would be. But I think that um, there's this. There's just this reality that 
probably comes out more in stuff like personal discussions like this, which is we grew up without technology. We had to say, I'm gonna meet you at 3 p.m. at the graveyard and you just better be there at 3 p.m. and if you don't show up, I wait for you and then I go back home and I call your landline. That me, that does something to you, right? I'm gonna go camping tonight. I cannot get in touch with my parents. My parents do not know where I'm at. I cannot call them. I cannot contact them. I did not wear a helmet on the way to the river while I was on my bike and my parents don't care. Mm-hmm. That does something, when you grow up they, like that, they, it they does couldn't. something to you. They just couldn't care. They, pro- they worried, the, all they did was worry. But they didn't worry that much. They didn't worry as much as we would worry. Like if all of a sudden you found, like if, I, if, if, if Shepard's like, I wanna go walk outside in the neighborhood, it's like, I'm, I'm like, sure, go do it. But while he's gone, yeah, we're thinking about the fact that he's gone. You think my parents were thinking about me when I was gone? No. <laughs> it does something to you. I don't know what, we're discovering it as we go. And now there's this, with the constant barrage of new new technology, I mean, tomorrow could present something that's like, okay, and I'm not just talking about like all the TikToks of it all, but <clears throat> yeah, there's this uh, kind of this, uh, this spry interaction with anything. Anything could happen that could change everything. You know, it's like the stability is is uh, I think much is is much more of an illusion. But from a technological perspective, it feels like the thing that will usher in the most change is a physical co- connectivity to the internet. So, like what Elon's working on with the neural link, which I don't even really understand. You should know because it's got link in the name. Um, I don't really understand how it works and what the potential is and like how clear that, when when that kind of thing could happen. But I just feel like the moment in which you're interacting with another human and you don't know whether or not they're accessing information from their own brain or like immediately accessing like a, a, a the hive or the cloud. Again, I don't know if that's yeah, a that, hundred years away or whatever, but I feel like that's gonna be the That'll be a big a uh, divide, great divide. Yeah. All right. You'll hashtag Gear Biscuits. Let us know what let us know what you think. Well I gotta uh, make a wreck. I know man. you gotta make a wreck. I'm just saying. I wanna know what you think. And uh, you know, if you're if you especially if you're not if you're not an American I think a lot of, we you know we filter all of this uh, all these labels like are very oh, Ameri- for sure. um, it, it's very Amera centric. Yeah, if you grew up in a place that there was no st- stable government and you didn't feel secure from the right. beginning it's like this is yeah this is a very You got different And then there's labels. lots of people who just who never got access to the technology. Mhm. Uh I guess they have it now they're listening to this podcast but um yeah that happened at different times in different places. Um, Let us know, hashtag your biscuits, what you think about that. Give me a wreck, baby, wreck, baby, one, two, three, four. I'm gonna give you a uh, a one song oh, yeah, wreck. Okay. And um, this is a band that came up, you know, 
thing I love about listening to music with some AI and built in like Spotify is the suggestions, man. You get a band that you like and the next thing you know you find in another band that you didn't know about that you like. Discovered the band Mount Joy. Did you, were you using Spotify or Apple? Cause are you, have Spotify. you switched? You've switched. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they haven't come up for me because I have not listened to Mount Joy, MT Space Joy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, Philadelphia is where these guys are from, but I think they're LA based now. But the song that I'm going to suggest as a nice introduction to the band Mount Joy is Julia, or Julia, as they say in the song, Julia. It's not their most popular song, according to Spotify. Uh, it's their sixth most popular song, so that's that's actually good. Okay, yeah, listen to the sixth most popular song from Mount Joy, Julia. Julia. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna add that to my to my thing right now. Talk at you next week. Add it to your thing.